1: Hour number two is underway now at eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420. The answer, it is a Monday, the 26th morning of the 10th month, the year of our Lord 2020, one week plus one. One week plus a day. We will decide, as I said at the beginning of the program, whether or not we remain a free constitutional republic rooted in capitalism or whether or not we embrace socialist tendencies we shred the Constitution and we create the first steps toward a communist regime that is literally as serious as it is coming up one week from tomorrow there is nothing that you can say that is going to disprove or discount that nothing it is literally a choice between constitutional Republican freedom or huge government socialism on the way toward capitalism or toward communism it is just really that simple now I'm gonna get to your phone calls as quickly as I can at 216 888 888-281-1110 to talk about just that. But while we talk about that, I also want to follow up on something that I talked about with Herschel Walker. And that is the black experience in America. Uh, now you may know or you may not know if you're, depends on how closely you're following the news. <clears throat> but a number of prominent African American males have come out as supporters of President Trump. For a variety of reasons, including what Van Jones de- articulated on CNN uh, in a uh, debate forum or a, in a forum, if you will, with Jake Tapper and others. Van Jones, who is black, who used to be a czar in the Obama administration, now is a commentator and contributor to CNN, who is as liberal as the day is long, saying this about Donald Trump and his work with the black community.
2: Yeah, by liberals, every time I say this, i keep saying it. He has done good stuff for the black community. or and, and, you know, uh, Opportunity Zone stuff, black college stuff. I work with him on criminal justice stuff. I saw Donald Trump have African-American people formally incarcerated in the White House, embraced them, treated them well. There's a side to Donald Trump that I think he does not get enough credit for. Donald Trump, and I get beat up by liberals every time I say this, but so I keep saying it. He has done good stuff for the black community. And-
1: so... Uh, Van Jones just pointing it out you know that black people don't like to hear it black let me rephrase black Democrats don't like to hear that President Trump has done well for black people and in fact he did more for black Americans in the first two years of his presidency than the first black president Barack Obama did in his entire eight years spanning two presidential terms. There's just no question about that. The black experience in America is better today because Donald Trump has been the president than it was prior. And if you look at every metric from wages to employment to opportunities uh, to uh, uh, education, all metrics indicate the black experience in America is much better under Donald Trump than it has been uh, or than it was under uh, Barack Obama or really any previous president. Now why don't we bring that up? <clears throat> I bring that up because I have to, I have to try to understand this and I just don't yet. If the black experience in America has been improved greatly, and it has, again, the numbers do not lie. Why is it that so many of our institutions, including our educational system, continue to treat black people as a permanent underclass? why do they continue to treat black people as if they are second class citizens? Because that's exactly what they're doing. If somebody came up to you and said, look, black kids just can't get their work done on time like white kids can. So we're going to stop requiring them to do so. Would you call that racist? Because it is telling black kids, we know you can't do your work on time, so we're going to stop requiring it to be done on time is essentially saying you are not as good as white people or non-blacks. You're not capable, so we're not going to make you do something you're not capable of doing. That's just about as insulting and degrading as you can say to something that you can say to a person of color. You're not as good as the other, so we're not going to make you. What if somebody came up to you and said, black kids just don't know how to behave in school as well as other kids do. So we're going to stop holding them accountable for their behavior. Would you say that's racist? Because it is. Telling an entire race of kids, we know you don't know how to behave. So therefore, your behavior will no longer be counted against you. Rather than saying we are going to require you to behave better than you ever had before, because our job in the schools is to help prepare you for life after school in which you're going to have to behave, follow rules, follow laws, follow your boss's orders. But that's not what they're doing. They are declaring that black Americans are a permanent underclass who can't follow the rules the same way that non-blacks can. And they think that they are doing blacks a favor. The story I'm pointing to here is San Diego, California, the San Diego unified school district have changed their grading system to combat in their word, words to combat racism. Students will no longer be graded based on a yearly average or how late they turn in their assignments. Why? Because racism. The San Diego Unified School District is overhauling the way it grades students. Board members say the changes are part of a larger effort to combat racism. Quote, this is part of our honest reckoning as a school district, said SDUSD Vice President Richard Barrera. If we're actually going to be an anti-racist school district, <coughs> we have to confront practices like this that have gone on for years and years. According to data presented by the district, under the old grading system, teachers, uh, the wording of this is funny too, teachers fail minority students more than white students, a lot more. Isn't that phrasing kind of, kind of interesting? Teachers fail minority students. Rather than more minority students fail to make the grade than white students. When I was a teacher, seemingly a lifetime ago in the early 1990s, I never had a kid, or excuse me, whenever I had a kid, asked, are you going to fail me? Anytime that has ever come up in any context, I've always said, of course, I'm not going to fail you, but you may fail yourself. I don't have prejudice in this decision. I don't have any decision at all. The points are the points. These are the points available on classwork, quizzes, tests, and homework. Whatever your score is decides whether or not you fail, and it's not going to be up to me. It's going to be up to you. This is what I always told my kids. During the first semester of last year in the San Diego Unified School District, (laughs) Excuse me, 30% of all D or F grades were given to English learners. One in four or 25% of failing marks went to students with disabilities. Broken down by ethnicity, 23% of the D's or F's went to Native Americans, 23% to Hispanics, 20% to black students. By comparison, just 7% of failing marks went to white students. So in an effort to change that racial imbalance The school board voted unanimously this week to change its grading system. Academic grades will now focus on mastery of the material, apparently at the teacher's discretion, rather than a yearly average of scores and points earned, which board members say penalizes students who get a slow start or who struggle at points throughout the year. Another big change, teachers can no longer consider non-material factors when grading. Things like turning work in on time or classroom behavior will now count towards a new student citizenship grade, not their academic grade. I think this reflects reality that students have described to us, and it's a change that's a long time coming, says Berea. Apparently, Non-white students have felt discriminated against because they had to turn their work in on time and they couldn't do so. So therefore, we're not going to make them do so. Apparently, behaving themselves in classrooms is something that is too difficult for the non-white students. So now, in order to make sure that their grades don't suffer from their disruption of classrooms, they won't have their grades disrupted or, excuse me, affected in any way. Student school board member Zachary Patterson, who is a junior at University City High School in San Diego, says while some classmates express concerns about grade inflation, overall the feedback from his peers is positive. I know students all across the district are really happy with the idea that these other accountability measures are no longer going to be defining their understanding of knowledge. After Patterson expressed uh, concerns at the school board meeting, the board also review will review potential student disparities stemming from its zero tolerance disciplinary policy on cheating in the coming weeks. Let me say that part again. In the future students may not be penalized for cheating as the board will be reviewing potential student disparities based on race. In other words, if minority students Cheat more than black or than uh, non non minority students or black students cheat more than non black students. They're going to erase the penalties for cheating because you see, in liberal America, black students are incapable of turning things in on time, behaving themselves in the classroom, and doing their work honestly without cheating. They're incapable. So we're going to change the rules that don't hold them accountable. If they do do those things, there is nothing in America more systemically racist than liberal progressive institutions, including educational ones. They literally are telling black kids. You are substandard. And you are incapable of doing things the way that the white kids do them. So we're going to stop requiring you to do so. As always, the American left proves its fundamental systemic racist attitudes. And yet they project that onto conservatives who want to hold everybody by the same standards. And why? Because the conservative viewpoint, the American viewpoint, is that all kids are the same. All kids have the same opportunity. All kids have the same requirements. All kids are graded by the same scale. All kids have to follow the same behavioral guidelines. All kids are held accountable for cheating. That is the fundamental basis of equality. Something that liberal Democrats abandoned a long time ago. Your phone calls. Next, AM 1420,
3: The Answer. 1025 AM
2: 1420,
1: The Answer. Let's go to your phone calls now, as promised. 216 901 Navy Man Norm in Strongsville. Good morning, Norm. How are you, sir? I might
4: change my uh, alias to Trump Chump, because that's what <laughs> Biden called the Trump supporters, Bob. Yeah,
1: that's what he did.
4: I feel, I feel very positive about President Trump winning reelection. election I know the Democrats are going to whine, moan, riot. They even have a group of 80 activist organizations called Protect the Vote under the guidance and leadership of one George Soros. Isn't that interesting?
1: So uh, it's not we, shocking, that's for sure.
4: No, I I don't know if you got it or not, but I emailed you a video of our good friend China Joe in an interview. I'm uh, I i do not know if it was on Fox, but it it was from his house. He admitted that he and the Democrats have organized the largest voter fraud organization
1: oh yeah 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 that's made the rounds that's made the rounds you know you but but you know what that is that's a misspeak uh, you know he, he of course means of course. to say largest voter turnout or something but you know those yeah, misspeaks when, uh you know some people want to call them Freudian slips those things aren't gonna aren't gonna move the needle very much
4: no but at the same time when you think about it when there's a Freudian slip it's always it's because you're thinking in your mind and he knows for a fact that having Eric Holder run this you know what kind of uh outcome they're looking for. Anyway, if you
1: were to yeah. come down, well, we street, do we do know we do know that voter fraud because of the massive push nationwide. And th- Norm, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. We know that 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 their, voter fraud is a big, big part of their game plan. Now, Joe Biden isn't going to be speaking on that, obviously, and 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 because he probably doesn't know that. Usually, that kind of stuff doesn't rise to the top. Usually, that stuff is being done with the machinations of the campaign behind the scenes in the various battleground states. And yes, there is no doubt by distributing all of those unsolicited ballots, live ballots to people, whether they live there or not anymore, whether they live, period, or not anymore, whether they're human or canine or feline, all of that stuff indicates that the the propensity for fraud, Democrat ballot fraud is... Enormous. There is no question about that. But his Freudian slip there isn't going to move the needle very much. We just need to keep our eyes on what's really going on at those local and state levels. Um, let's go to um, Akron. Mike, you're on AM 1420, the answer. Hi, Mike. Go ahead.
5: Hi, Mike. How are you? Hi, Bob. Hey, listen, I've been. Uh, good. I'm good, Mike. Thanks. Years. I've never seen anybody uh, so supported as Trump. Uh, people will crawl over glass to vote for him. I am supremely confident that, uh, confident that it's going to be an absolute wipeout. Uh, for trump and the republicans and i think we're in very very good shape and when you go into a local restaurant as a way of thank you for your service and you have people fighting to pick up your check which by the way we always make sure we tip the waitress the whole amount of the bill uh you know it, it's, a, it's a good sign people are supportive of law enforcement the military they love their, their constitution and uh i don't think trump has any problem at all it's going to be an easy easy uh, road to victory for him
1: I love your your positivity. I love that positive attitude. I don't know that I necessarily share it because I don't trust Democrats to not, you know, again, you know, be uh, uh be a little bit um mischievous if you will in terms of uh, the voter count and everything they're doing in various states to try to allow uh, postmarked, uh, non-postmarked ballots to be counted up to three days after the election—all those kinds of things. But I do—you're one thing. You're right about if you look at the uh, if you look at the you know the enthusiasm level of Trump supporters. You're right about the broken glass. You're right about their attitude. You're right about how serious they are. I just hope, my friend, that there are enough of them to out to counter whatever you know whatever chicanery that the Democrats are going to come up with. Yes, sir. My friend, I thank you for the call. Thank you and thank you for your service as well, Mike. I appreciate that. It's 1030. We're going to get more of your phone calls, guest-free until 11 o'clock. So keep them, uh, keep them coming. Stay in line if you're in line. If you're not in line, get there at 216 Right back. The Answer, now heard through downtown, through Greater Cleveland, on 102.5 FM. 1035, the Bob Brantz Authority on a Monday. Thanks for being with us. We're talking about, well, one week plus one, a week and a day away from deciding the future of this country. What is your confidence level? What is your read on it? Looking at the polls, looking at the voter enthusiasm, looking at the debates, looking at the campaign commercials, looking at everything that we know in the media. How do you really feel about what's going to happen one week from tomorrow? Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five or triple eight two eight one eleven ten. We'll go to Kenny, who is in Lagrange on AM fourteen twenty. The answer, Kenny. Good to hear from you, sir. How are you?
6: Good morning, sir. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, what's on your mind? Well, I did my second Trump train Saturday. Started out in Grafton, went down uh, eighty three to eighteen through Wellington. We got a nice response in Wellington. Kipton was fantastic. It seemed like the whole the whole village of Kipton came out for us. But we ran into a different story when we hit 511 and 58 uh Oberlin. Oberlin <laughs> bubble bubble city. Uh I can I can say without a doubt that that city is lost. Those people don't have a clue what the world is all about.
1: Well, they never have. I mean, really. I mean, you know, as long as the college has run that city, Right? I mean, we we called it the People's Republic of Overland for a reason. Did you expect anything less?
6: Uh, I, I did out of the adults. I thought the adults would be a little bit more civil. But when the kids saw what the adults were doing, we had a kid on a skateboard. I'm sure everybody <laughs> in the Trump train thought. Kid couldn't have been more than 9, 10, maybe 11 years old. Yeah. Uh, this kid, <laughs> if that was my kid, I'd have locked him in the, in the barn for a week or two.
1: What was he doing?
6: Uh, he was dropping the f bomb all over the place. He had what? Just yelling at you guys as you drove
1: by? You you, you just sort of yelling those things as you drove by?
6: Oh yeah, the, 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 every everybody on 58. We did not get one positive response on Route 58 going through Oberlin.
1: Wow. Well, it doesn't surprise me at all. And, you know, the kids picking picking that kind of behavior up from their parents also doesn't surprise me. And that's why, you know, look, I, I know I'm biased and I know I'm partisan and I know you are, too. But if you ever look at these Trump train rallies or if you ever look at, you know, even like I took part in a rally up in Avon uh, against uh, the lockdowns by Governor DeWine and so on and so forth, you see so many kids there. Well, you know what you see them doing? Not flipping off people who don't like them and not using F-bombs. You see them waving American flags saying right. we just. You know, the kids learn from their parents how to behave. And, you know, the kids of conservative patriots uh, act like conservative patriots. And the kids of the radicals in Oberlin are going to act like the radical, you know, scumbags that you're that you're seeing.
6: If I could make a second point, please. You can. Yes, sir. Uh, I go back a few years before you do. I and was, I was around when Lyndon Johnson's Great Society came into being. I think it was in 65 or something like that, 65, 66. For the last 55 years, the Democrat Party has been lying to the black community about everything. If you can find one aspect, if anybody can find one aspect of a black community that's been improved in the last 55 years, I think it would be a miracle. They have depended on the black vote. They have lied to the black voters. Uh, A perfect, perfect example is South Lorraine. You go to South Lorraine the roads have been ignored for 40 or 50 years. The infrastructure is falling apart. The schools are really, really falling apart at the seams. And it's basically a war zone. I, I, I don't well, know how anybody in their right mind could vote for a Democrat knowing what the Democrat Party has done to the black community.
1: Well, you know, here's here's the, the conundrum. Uh, and I know you understand this, Kenny. They have... Many in the minority communities convinced that they're not harming them, that they're the ones that are helping them because they're the ones that are providing the subsidized housing. They're the ones that are providing the EBT cards. They're the ones that are providing uh, the free phones. They're the ones that are providing all of these things. Um, which essentially are bribes for votes. And they have them convinced that if we don't have Democrats in charge, we're not going to have any of those things that they give us. We're going to have to actually pay for this or that or the other thing and and achieve and earn and so forth. So, I mean, it's the, it's the shell game that the Democrat Party has been playing for decades and decades and decades. You know, they continue to tell uh, the minority community that they can't survive without them. You better vote for us and we will keep giving you those things that you need. Now, are they thriving? Are they, are they, are they achieving? Are they improving their lot in life? Absolutely not. It's just subsisting. And liberal Democrats, that's exactly where they want them. Barely subsisting, so they have to keep coming back to them for their next need. And, uh, it's, you know, like I said, it's a shell game that's been going on for decades. And, uh, just now, just now, like so you heard Herschel Walker probably this morning, Kenny. Yes, sir. Just now, you know, black Americans are starting to wake up and say, you know, this doesn't work. Uh, this look at how much we have gained. Look at the advances we have made under the last four years of Trump. Why would we want to go back uh, to the malaise of you know the Obama administration and, quite frankly, of all of the previous administrations in the black community?
6: Yes, sir. Thank you, and uh, it's good to have you back on the air, my friend.
1: It's good to be here. Thanks. I appreciate it, uh, Kenny. Yeah, I wish my voice was a little stronger, but I'm still recovering, uh, and uh, and it is certainly good to be here. Thank you. Let me go to uh, the west side, and that's Frank on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Frank. You're on the air. Go right ahead, sir.
5: Thank you. Hey, uh, We're forgetting Kamala Harris. As Attorney General at California, she helped indict David Daleidon of the Center for Medical Progress, which exposed Planned Parenthood selling a baby body part. Okay,
1: that is very correct. That is just one. That is just one of the many, many aspects of of uh, Kamala Harris, who is truly the Democrat candidate for president. She is just right. waiting inside that Trojan horse that is Joe Biden. You're right. That is one of the many things that we have to make people aware of uh, again to generate support for uh, you know for for President Trump.
5: Absolutely, but that's the point. It's not being used at all. She's just flying. She's on, on the radar. Okay, two point two million dollars. He was indicted for that, and it was granted to Planned Parenthood because of Kamala Harris. Two point two million dollars, right. and that he's got. A, that was five years ago, August of twenty twenty. Right. I mean, of twenty fifteen.
1: Twenty. Yeah, right. And I knew what you meant. That,
5: that could be exposed. She's brutal. She's so um, anti-life. It's uh, disgusting.
1: Well, and, but she just fits in with the, you know, the uh, in this part, and thank you for the call, Frank, in, in this part, um, she's not necessarily the Trojan horse that we're talking, or inside the Trojan horse that is Joe Biden that's being pushed through the gates, because Joe Biden feels the same way. You know what I'm saying? This is Kamala Harris and Joe Biden both are, Uh, For unlimited abortion at any time up until any point in the pregnancy. And that means in the third trimester until birth. So, yes, um, she is horrific in that regard. And you're correct about what she did for or did to uh, David Daleiden. But she is no different than Joe Biden in this case. There are a lot of things that the left is trying to get you to think that Joe Biden stands for that Kamala Harris does not and vice versa. And that's the Trojan horse thing we talk about. You know, he's being pushed as the moderate centrist and, you know, all around good guy. And, you know, you can trust Joe. He's good old Joe. And then she, of course, with her radicalism is just waiting, just waiting for them to kick him to the curb. Maybe she'll actually do the kicking. And then she takes over with her radicalism. Uh, But some of the things there isn't any different between them and abortion is one of them. They both are in the same boat. By the way, I'm glad you brought up Kamala Harris. Because I have to comment on this. You probably have seen it already. It's gone viral. Kamala Harris doing an interview with uh, Nora O'Donnell on CBS was asked a question about whether or not she's a socialist or a progressive. And this is almost as bad, in fact, it might be worse than the infamous Hillary Clinton cackle. Hillary Clinton's cackle, very well known as the most disingenuous, disgusting, phony laugh um, that you can even imagine. Kamala Harris's is worse because of the timing, because of the way that she uses Ben Shapiro. I heard him this morning on Fox calling this her Joker laugh. It's so obvious when she uses this. It's when she knows she's in trouble when she has a question that she doesn't want to answer she breaks out into this bizarre high-pitched joker style laugh as if to say oh you're so crazy why are you asking something like that just listen to her it's crazy
2: what i will do and i promise you this and this is what joe wants me to do this was part of our deal i will always share with him my lived experience as it relates to any issue that we confront and I promised Joe that I will give him that perspective and always be honest with him. And is that a socialist or progressive perspective? <laughs>
1: no. <laughs> no, it is the perspective of, of- what, what 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 was what was comedic about the question of does your perspective that you are going to give Joe come from the socialist or progressive um uh, perspective. In in what way was that funny? What cue? The- <laughs> and, and it's not done, by the way. Keep listening. A
2: woman who grew up a, a, a black child in America.
1: How did you grow up a black child in America when you're not black? You're half Jamaican and half Indian. In what way are you a black child in America?
2: Who was also a Prosecutor who also has a mother who arrived here at the age of nineteen from India, who also, you know, likes hip hop. <laughs>
1: like, what do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> you asked me if I was a socialist. <laughs> In what way is that comedic? She has been rated by nonpartisan organizations as the most liberal member of the United States Senate. And the United States Senate contains a member who actually calls himself proudly a socialist. It doesn't get more left than socialist. And Kamala Harris is left of that. And so she's asked about being leftist, And her her answer, because she cannot dispute her socialist tendencies and voting record, since she can't do it, she... (laughs) ...perspective and
2: always be honest with him. And is that a socialist or progressive perspective? (laughs) No. No, it is the perspective of, of a woman who grew up a a black child in America.
1: Do you hear that in her voice too, by the way, when she can not answer a question with a straight answer with the truth, she keeps that subtext of laughter behind her words. She's just like suppressing her laughter as she talks about being a black child in America, (laughs) just waiting to get to the end of the (laughs) sentence. So she can cackle some more i'm telling you i thought that hillary clinton was the most unlikable female on a ticket in american history and kamala harris said hold my beer
2: who was also a prosecutor who also has a mother she's
1: holding back the laughter while she says prosecutor
2: (laughs) arrived here at the age of 19 from india who also you know likes (laughs) hip-hop (laughs) What do
1: you want to know? (laughs) Well, we want to know why is why you are so blatantly anti-American, why you are so unconstitutional, why you are further left than an avowed American socialist, and why it is that you think it's funny anytime somebody actually asks you a difficult question. Why you think that the only thing you... Ben Shapiro, again, uh, on Fox this morning, called it a tell. She's got the most obvious... Tell you know she is lying or she is covering something up whenever she bursts into her Kamala cackle, and that's what we'll call it—the Kamala cackle. When she bursts out laughing in an interview, that's the tell. It's, you know, tell is a poker term. If you're at the table and you do an unconscious gesture, a facial rec- or a facial uh, twitch or a, uh, something with your hands or whatever, it kind of reveals. What your hand looks like and it helps people decide to bet against you. Her tell is that cackle. The Kamala cackle is her tell. Whenever she breaks into it, you know, she has no answer for the question and is going to try to deflect away from it (laughs) with her. Oh my gosh. I like hip hop. I asked you if you were a progressive, but I like hip hop. Isn't that great? I
2: like hip hop. Also, you know, likes hip hop. What do you want to
1: know? You know what? What hip hop fan could be a socialist? I mean, (laughs) oh, somebody just poke out my eardrums right now. We'll be right back. Okay, 10.53. Time for a few phone calls here to wrap it up. Uh, on AM 1420, The Answer. Make sure you stick around for Mike Gallagher when we are done. Charlie Kirk, Dennis Prager, Dr. Sebastian Gorka. It just doesn't get any better right here all day, all night. On AM 1420, The Answer. I want to go to Cleveland and um, Brian. Brian, you are on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for waiting. Go ahead, sir.
5: Hey, no worries. Good morning, Bob. Hey, I was just on uh, the screener, I watched some of that come on of debacle the other night. And, you know, they say, like, Your eyes are like the window to your soul. If you look at her, I mean, her her eyes are just like so lifeless, as is Biden and a lot of them. But I mean, there's like nothing there when you watch them talk. It's just like nothing, nothing at all. You can't even like depict like their, their pupils from the color of their eyes. It's nothing, just soulless.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I, I've i never really tried to read anybody's eyes in such a way. I'll take your word for that. But, you know, when you think about who this woman is and how she got to where she is, um, it makes her a very dangerous person. Uh, and, again, I won't speak to her soul.
5: It's almost but, like nothing she won't do.
1: Bingo, right. I mean, if you will do the things that she did to and for Willie Brown when she was 29 and he was 60 and married, um, when you will carry on in that type of a physical relationship with somebody who happens to be the biggest political democratic power broker in the state of California just to advance your career, you are a dangerous individual. Soulless or not, I won't go there, but you are a very dangerous individual, somebody who should absolutely be not be underestimated and, quite frankly, needs to be stopped in her tracks before she can gain any more power.
5: Right. Have yourself a great one, Bob. Thanks, man.
1: Thank you, Brian. I appreciate the phone call. It's interesting the way he described her eyes and uh, what you can see. I do, I do know the reference, the eyes of the window of the soul. I, uh, I don't know that I've ever really looked at her there because I can't stop getting the heebie-jeebies from her, her laugh, from that cackle. I'm trying to find the Hillary cackle to, comp- to compare it, but I can't seem to find it in my audio vault during the break. But um, we'll save both of those. Let's go to uh, Diane in West Park. Hi, Diane. Go ahead.
3: Good morning, Bob. You do a great impersonation of that laugh. Oh my gosh! I couldn't tell if I was listening to her or you.
1: I'm Honest sorry for that. Goodness,
3: I hope it. I hope it becomes a part of the best of Bob Francis. Should we ever lose you for a day or two again?
1: I wouldn't um, want to subject people to that, Diane. But I appreciate the compliment. <laughs>
3: Well Bob, I'm very, very confident that President Trump is going to triumph again regardless of what uh, shenanigans and malarkey follow the election, the actual election. Um and I also hope and pray that uh the uh the Catholic he gets the Catholic vote out there, whether silently or not, um as we have more priests speaking from the ambo um as their conscience becomes uh more um hmm, maybe maybe they can't sleep too well at night
1: well uh you know i don't know about that you maybe you know i suppose things like that can happen and diane thanks for the phone call i uh i I certainly hope you're right so that we can uh so that we do get the right result um but i I, look i i don't know that conscience plays a role anymore Uh, and I don't mean to be that negative I know it is I I think if people had a conscience President Trump would be winning by 40 points and just mean that very seriously if people actually had a conscience uh, I I think they're I think their their conscience is separated from their sensibilities It's separated from their uh, you know from their from their partisanship quite frankly Um, in my estimation, when you look at what has truly become the party of death, and if you still support that, you have no conscience, there is just, you know, and what, what to bring it back. I don't know. Uh, TJ in Cleveland next. Hi, TJ. Go ahead.
6: Yeah. Hi, Bob. You know, I've always said the biggest enemy of the black community is the white liberal destroyed their families, destroyed their kids, education,
5: destroyed their self-esteem. You know, these liberals are like the coronavirus. They
6: attach themselves onto a host. And then they proceed to destroy it. They've done it to our school systems. They've done it to our entertainment, uh, our mainstream media. They've even infected our our religious institutions. In a perfect world, Bob, the pharmaceutical industries could come up with a vaccine to protect us against liberalism. Uh, That's all I got to say, Bob.
1: I wish <laughs> I wish that did exist. Uh, that is something that I would... Because I, I don't encourage uh, people to get vaccines. Well, actually, I encourage people to make their own minds up about that. I, I, I absolutely am opposed to mandatory vaccines of any kind. But I encourage people to make their smart choices for themselves. Uh, but that is one that I would encourage for everybody, a mandatory anti-liberal vaccine. That would be something I would probably change my mind about. TJ, thanks very much for the phone call. Um, look... Um, bottom line here is what I said at the top of the show is how I'm going to end the show. In one week and a day, in other words, one week from tomorrow, we will decide on whether or not we want to be a constitutional republic rooted in capitalism and liberty or whether or, want, whether or not we want to become a socialist nation just hurtling at warp speed toward communism uh, without liberty and with government control for all. I know it sounds a little over the top, and it sounds a little bit like hyperbole. Do not think it so. It is not hyperbolic. It is reality. It's not just one election. And eh, if we get it wrong, we'll get it right four years from now. No, the damage will be irrevocable. You will not be able to stop uh, our descent toward socialism if we get this wrong one week from tomorrow. Thanks for being here, Mike Gallagher's next. We'll talk to you tomorrow on AM fourteen twenty, The Answer.